Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Certified Religious Transition and Trauma Recovery Coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Hello, welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I love our topic this week. We're going to be talking about the difference between healthy positivity and toxic positivity. And I feel like this is really important, not just for those of us who are deconstructing high demand religion, but just in general, after the year we've just had. I just met with a couple of friends tonight and we were talking about the past year, and I even heard some of the toxic positivity messages that I'm going to be talking about come out of secular friends' mouths. I heard them come out of my own mouth. I think this is something a lot of us struggle with. I think these messages are everywhere in society. And so I'm really excited to dig into this. And I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this, either in the Facebook group Remember, the link is in the show notes if you want to go and join that group, or if you want to send me an email, my email is in there, or if you want to talk with me on Instagram Messenger, I would love to talk with you there as well. Okay, we're going to start with the good stuff. We're going to start with healthy positivity, which I think is what we're all striving for when we get into toxic positivity coping patterns. We're all really trying to be healthy. And so I want to talk about what healthy positivity looks like, and then we're going to move into when positivity gets a little toxic and what it does to us and then, you know, how to tell if we're in toxic positivity and then how to begin again to heal and move through that. So healthy positivity. There is empirically researched evidence that suggests that having an optimistic or generally positive outlook on life leads to increased overall well-being, less stress, and more success. This kind of positivity is not the Pollyanna, silver lining, everything is awesome kind of positivity. It is not fantasy-based. It is reality-based. In fact, it could be more accurately described as one of these four things or a combination of these things. Self-compassion is the first one the ability to empathize with and comfort ourselves when we experience hard things. Super important for healthy positivity. Self-confidence, which is the belief in one's ability to survive difficult things and problem-solve to create better days ahead. Also incredibly important if we're going to tackle life with a measure of confidence and optimism. Growth mindset, which is the ability to understand that growth comes through challenges and that challenges happen to us all and it doesn't mean anything about our worthiness, that we're going to experience things that happen to us, bad things that happen to us, but we're also going to experience mistakes and failures of our own and that none of that means anything about our self-worth. 
that we grow through our challenges. That is how we get to the life we want is by trying things on, making mistakes, learning from those and moving forward. And the last one is hope, which is the ability to believe that things will get better eventually. And I think that that component is really important. However, I do sometimes see toxic positivity where people rely solely on hope. This idea that it'll all work itself out. Don't worry about your feelings now. Just pretend like they're not there and eventually it'll all work out. Hope is a key ingredient, but we can't rely solely on hope. There also needs to be some growth mindset, some self-confidence, and some self-compassion. Definitely healthy doses of empathy for ourselves and like realistic problem solving. Healthy positivity centers on feeling empowered as an individual. That is really what is at the heart of healthy positivity is this idea that life isn't just happening to us, but that we have a measure of power in how we deal with whatever comes our way. Those who approach life with healthy positivity know that bad things happen to all people, not because the world is out to get us or because people purposely let us down, but because struggle is part of life. If we're going to be alive and we're going to really live, even if we choose not to really live, if we just choose to be, struggle is going to be part of life. We assess the situation realistically and we allow ourselves to feel through all of our big feelings, even the ones that are difficult, and allow those feelings to connect us with our inner knowing for ways we can use our power to improve the situation or learn from the experience. People with healthy positivity understand that bad things happen and that they're going to have big feelings about it. They might be angry or sad or frustrated. They might feel resentment. They might grieve a loss. They might feel lonely. They might feel afraid. They might feel confused. All of those emotional responses make sense when bad things happen. The Pollyanna-ish response would be like, oh, don't be afraid. Look at the bright side. Let's silver lining this. And we're going to talk about that here in the last part of this episode. But I really want to express that when we're in healthy positivity, it's not happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. It is allowing ourselves to recognize and feel through all of the emotions that we experience because there is wisdom and problem-solving capabilities and empowerment in all of our emotions. When we allow ourselves to feel through things, not only do we diminish the pain, because remember, our emotions just come to deliver messages to us, and when we stop those emotions, we essentially stop that flow of energy and it gets stuck and lodged and it becomes infinitely more difficult to carry through this difficult situation because we haven't processed the emotions that come with it. So let's not make things harder on ourselves. In healthy positivity, we feel through all of our big feelings and those feelings are going to give us wisdom about how we can use our power to improve the situation or to learn from the experience. Remember, healthy positivity is about empowerment and self-compassion. 
So this kind of empowered, authentic connection to oneself leads to all kinds of rewards. Healthy positivity leads to stress relief because when you know that you can trust yourself to create solutions in your life, you tend to be less anxious. If you trust yourself to problem solve, you're not as scared about what is going to happen to you because you know you'll figure it out. It might suck. It might be hard as hell. But you know that you'll be able to figure it out. And there's a measure of stress relief that comes with that. Those who are engaged in healthy positivity have increased immunity and improved wellness. So those with healthy self-trust have a reduced risk of death from cardiovascular disease, less depression, and an increased lifespan. And this just makes so much sense to me, you guys. When we're not stuffing feelings, they're not in our body wreaking havoc. When we're not stuffing feelings and feeling shame about those feelings, we're not going to be as depressed because we're not feeling as much shame. When we're not stuffing our feelings, we're working through them. We're not stuffing shame or feeling shame about everything that's stuck inside of our body. And we have an increased lifespan when we're not stuffing emotions, which they've been doing clinical studies on and finding. I mean, I'm reading this book called The Body Keeps the Score, and it is fascinating to me. I'm not all the way through it. I'm like four chapters in right now. But my mind is blown about how our body stores trauma. And if we've got all of this trauma stored in our body, sometimes it shows up as chronic illness or like chronic depression or anxiety or insomnia, all kinds of health issues. If our stress levels are through the roof, we're going to have cardiovascular issues as well. So it makes so much sense to me that if we're not stuffing all this stuff and we're feeling in touch with ourselves and we are having compassion for ourselves and we have this growth mindset, we're going to live longer because we're not stuffing as many things that are going to cause us chronic health problems and we're not feeling bad about ourselves. We like who we are. We trust who we are. We've accepted who we are. Of course you're going to live longer. That just is like a no-brainer to me. And then also those who have healthy positivity in their lives have more resilience. So when we trust ourselves to find solutions to our problems, we're better able to cope with crisis or trauma. And when we approach life from a source of self-worth, we're able to ask for help and allow others to teach us how to solve our problems. So I want you to think about this. If I have compassion for myself, which remember is a key ingredient, I believe, in healthy positivity, if we're able to have compassion for ourselves and accept what we're feeling and we know that we are good people having a hard time, we're going to be much more likely to ask for help because it doesn't mean anything about our worthiness. We know that we're a good person. We know that we're a capable human who's having a crap time. And so we're better able to say, hey, I need help with this because it doesn't mean that we're weak or that we're somehow broken. It just means we're having a rough time. That's all it means. And we're willing to listen to other people's ideas and solutions because, again, we don't have to have all the answers ourselves. We don't need that 
that status, that ego boost of I know it all because we know we're worthy exactly as we are and that there's room to grow. Okay, so when does positivity become toxic? We've talked all about healthy positivity. I really think you guys understand that at this point. So let's move into what makes positivity toxic. So positivity can actually be harmful for us when it's insincere, forceful, stops your ability to feel through your emotions, or delegitimizes real feelings of anxiety, fear, sadness, or grief. When it keeps you from being a fully expressed human, positivity then becomes toxic. What comes to mind for me is whenever I see someone who I know is going through something really difficult, but then I see them on social media with their happy face on and they're counting their blessings every day and they're, you know, posting songs about being joyful and good vibes only and think positive, all of that. I know that they're giving themselves a pep talk, but they're also trying to mask the fact that they're in pain. And I've actually reached out to people a couple of times and said, hey, like you guys just had a massive layoff and your child was diagnosed with cancer and your mom is in the hospital. Are you okay? And when people come back with, oh, yeah, we're fine. Like, we know it'll all work out. I will ask again, are you okay? (laughs) I know you've got to be having some big feelings. How can I support you? And it's so interesting to me because I can tell when people have healthy positivity because they'll be like, yeah, it's been really difficult. And I'm just trying to pep talk myself, but I definitely feel sad. I'm scared. I feel overwhelmed and stressed. And then we're able to talk about it. They're able to be real. But very often, I will get answers or responses from people that make it seem like everything's fine. And they silver lining it, or they Pollyanna it, or they, and we're talking about people I'm close to, right? Not just strangers on the internet. We're talking about people I know personally in personal life. And I remember doing that as well. And now, granted, there are certain people I'm going to be much more open and vulnerable with because they're my safe people than others that maybe I just know marginally, right? I'm not just going to like open up my wounds and dump them on just anyone. You have to earn that trust. You have to earn the right to hear my story. And so I have those handful of people. But if those handful of people reach out and they say, I know this has got to be hard. How are you doing? And if I find myself reaching for, it's all going to be okay. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. I know that I'm in a coping mechanism of toxic positivity. I'm trying so hard to make myself believe that everything's fine and I just don't want to deal with my difficult emotions. Now, like all things, listen to your inner knowing. If you need that coping strategy, if that is the only way you're putting one foot in front of the other, by all means, do it. I had a friend recently who had an uncle pass away and she had to be strong for her family members there. Her family members 
were having the hardest time with it. And so she showed up. She put on a happy face. She was the support for everyone. But she made plans for herself to feel through everything with trusted friends when she got home. There are times when you have to put on a brave face. I get that. But make sure you take the time to feel through your own feelings as well so that they don't get stuck in your body and create you problems later on down the road. So Brene Brown says we can't selectively numb emotions. So if we want to feel fully expressed joy, which is what the toxic positivity movement really is all about, is choose joy, feel joyful, stay in those high vibrations so you can attract good things to you. We want joy. We want connection. We want success. We want wealth. We want happiness. We want to feel good in our bodies. But if we want to feel fully expressed joy and pleasure and peace, we have to be willing to feel through difficult things too because we can't selectively numb emotion. If we're trying to just like spot numb the anger and the sadness and the grief, we are also dulling our joy and our pleasure and our peace and our calm. So psychotherapist Carolyn Carroll says, in toxic positivity, difficult feelings are seen as inherently bad. And it can give the impression that you're defective when you feel distress, which can internalize the belief that you are inadequate or weak. And so really what we're doing, like I said, toxic positivity is a coping mechanism. It is a trauma response and it is an emotional avoidance strategy. We're trying to avoid difficult feelings because they don't feel good. And we don't want people to think badly of us. And we don't want to look weak or defective in some way. And so we hide behind our positive masks. Especially, you guys, if you identify as a recovering perfectionist, this may be something that you often do. You may often reach for that toxic positivity because that is one of the masks that we often wear as perfectionists, as recovering perfectionists. It's just a little plug here. If you are a recovering perfectionist or if you're a perfectionist that would like to recover, I just released something amazing and it will be out this upcoming week. Check my website at emancipatedcoaching.com and you will see the pop-up for the Empowered Imperfection course that I just created and it is absolutely free. So you sign up for the newsletter you get the Empowered Imperfection course. If you're already on my newsletter, go and sign up again. It will make sure to go ahead and send that to you. And I want to make sure all of you have it. It is a one module course, but it is a four day workbook, basically, to give you my very best tips and tools and things that I use to work through my own perfectionism. It's things that I use to still deal with my perfectionism and move through it whenever I'm in those uncertain or insecure situations when I feel myself reaching for perfectionism as a way to protect myself. If you find yourself dealing with toxic positivity, chances are you also have some perfectionism tendencies and go over there. Like click pause on this. Go over and see if it's gone live yet. I'm just waiting for my tech girl to put it up live. Go over and see. It will go live sometime this week. 
And I will remind you again next week as well, because for sure it'll be live by next week, but I'm really obviously very excited about this. So go and click and get that because it's a completely free four-day course to take you through understanding perfectionism, how it came about, and how to begin healing it so that you can move through any difficulties or hardships, including healing from religious trauma in order to get what you want. I find that so often the biggest thing that has stood in my way of healing from religious trauma, rooting into self-worth, allowing myself to be authentic and vulnerable, building a business, getting the relationships I want, is this idea of perfectionism. It's the coping mechanism that I created in order to protect myself from pain, basically. And so from self-worth wounds. So this is a four-day course to give you my best tools that I've created and that I've gathered from other people so that you can start to heal perfectionism as well and start to have a better relationship with yourself, which will then give you permission to show up big in other areas of your life and give you permission to try things on, to make mistakes, to not have to be perfect. And honestly, just to have that growth mindset and to begin learning, which is going to help with this toxic positivity. Okay, little blurb, little plug aside, let's keep moving on. So we're talking about how we use toxic positivity as a way to avoid feeling emotional pain. And we stop feeling these emotions in several different ways. We might use mantras or songs or affirmations. We can even use gratitude practice as a way to stop emotions in their track and distract ourselves. We can also use meditation or prayer this way or a host of other numbing mechanisms, scrolling social media, you know, going out and drinking a whole bottle of wine, mindlessly watching TV, being a workaholic. Being a workaholic was one of my numbing mechanisms. It still is something I can reach for. So just be aware of what your numbing mechanisms are. When you're feeling emotional discomfort, what do you reach for? Do you reach for the macaroni and cheese or do you reach for the treadmill? Because I have friends that do that. I wish I had that as a coping mechanism. Honestly, I would have better muscles, but I have friends that are like, I've got to go to the gym and I've got to lift for two hours, three hours, five hours because that's their coping mechanism. So anything in excess Anything that we do as just a way to keep ourselves from having to feel emotion is a numbing mechanism. And it literally can be anything. It can be shopping. It can be sleeping. It can be eating. It can be gardening. It can be anything. All right. We can do some of these things to stop ourselves from feeling difficult emotions and distract ourselves with something else. So when we stop our emotions, I alluded to this earlier, we stop the ability for the emotion to release. And when this happens, the emotion gets trapped in our body where it builds and festers and it drains our energy. It leads to burnout and overwhelm and emotional imbalance and eventually disease. And this process actually creates micro trauma for us. Stuffing our emotions is little micro traumas. And over time, repeated, this becomes a macro trauma, according to Ellen Vora, MD, who is a holistic psychiatrist. What in the heck, you guys? 
we create micro traumas for ourselves when we don't allow ourselves to feel through emotion. In that book I'm reading, The Body Keeps the Score, do you know what causes PTSD? It's the inability. It's not just the traumatic event. The trauma isn't in the event. The trauma is in the body. The trauma is in the way we experience the event. That's why some people will go through something that we consider traumatic and they're fine because they've been able to move that energy through their body and out. Trauma becomes trauma when it gets stuck in our body, when we weren't able to shake it out, when we weren't able to move that energy, when we felt trapped or stuck or hopeless, when we felt powerless. It became traumatic. So people who move the energy expel the trauma out of their bodies. People who internalize the trauma and don't get to move that energy, it's traumatic. It causes PTSD because we get stuck in that event, in that experience, in that emotion. And so when we're thought stopping or emotion stopping, we're stopping that flow of energy and it gets stuck in our body and we cause ourselves little micro traumas. So allow yourself to feel through your emotions. It is better for you in the short run. I know it's going to feel sometimes a little bit like ripping off a Band-Aid, but allow yourself to feel through. If feeling through your emotions is something that you're struggling with, go back. I think it's episode two. I go all through feeling through your emotions and starting to get comfortable with that. There are so many times I'm going to be sending you guys back to limiting beliefs and back to you know, feeling through your emotions and just back to those essential building blocks because they really are the foundational principles of healing from trauma. Allowing yourself to feel. If you learn nothing else from me, giving yourself permission to feel everything that you feel, that alone will help you release trauma and move forward. Okay, so why do we stuff our emotions and put on a positive or happy face anyway? So we might be worried about other people's ridicule or judgment, especially if we were made fun of as kids for feeling or crying or being angry. If we got ridiculed and so often people who were parented as male have this experience. This can happen to people who were parented as females, but people who were parented as males who were socialized as males, were often ridiculed and judged for feeling tender emotions. So if they felt sadness or fear or anxiety or loneliness, I mean, they would often get told to man up. Suck it up, buttercup. Put on your brave face. Put on your warrior face. Man up. There could be a lot of ridicule or judgment that happens sometimes that we might have a whole history of dealing with that. And of course, whenever we're feeling difficult emotions, we may want to just pretend like we're great. 
Everything's great. We want to put on our stoic mask. We want to put on our toxically positive mask. Everything's fine here. I see the gratitude. I see the silver lining. It is what it is because we want people to think we're okay. I'm not afraid. I'm not scared. I'm not lonely. I'm not heartbroken. I got this. We may be worried about being seen as weak. None of us wants to look like we are deficient. We don't want to look like we're weak. So, so often we put on a brave face. We may be worried about burdening others with our emotions. Those of us who were parented as female, this is often one that we deal with. We're told not to burden others with our emotions. Not too much, at least, right? You can give people a little bit, but not too much. Then it's overburdened. This is especially true if you were raised in a family with codependent tendencies. And you guys, those of us who are raised in high-demand religion, a lot of us had codependency with our religion. We had codependency with either our congregation or who we were taught God was. And so we were taught to take on other people's emotions and to have them take on ours. I mean, we were taught that other people's emotions were our responsibility. So this can be a big one if you were raised in a codependent household or in a codependent religion. Um, That fear of burdening others with our emotions because other people took on our emotions and made them their own. And we took on other people's emotions and made them our own. And so it can feel like that might happen again. We may have shame about feeling certain emotions we deem bad. And you guys, here in just a minute, I'm going to go through lots of scriptures about where these ideas that certain emotions are bad come from, especially in Christian and Christian-based religions. Um, If that's triggering for you, I'll give you a little trigger warning before that happens. I know that some people are not ready to hear any scripture, even in the context of trauma recovery. Um, but I think it's really important to know where these messages come from and not just from a certain preacher or a certain denomination. I want to go straight to the source. So we're going to go straight to the source, to the Bible, uh, for Christianity to talk about the toxic positivity messages in the Bible. Okay. And then last, we're afraid we'll be invalidated or rejected because sometimes we were only accepted or validated or loved on in our families growing up when we were happy and we were easy for our parents to deal with. When we were angry or sad or emotional, it may have triggered our own parents' shame and our own parents' inability to cope with their own emotions, and they may have responded with outrage. They may have responded with withdrawal, um, and it may have felt like rejection or invalidation. So toxic positivity, at its core, it's driven by shame. We fear that we're unlovable, rejectable, or unworthy of love and belonging if we show anything that isn't positive or upbeat. And I love this next part. To force a person or to force ourselves to be positive about our pain is to encourage a person to keep silent about their struggles. And remember, anywhere there's hiding, secrets, and denial, shame is usually in the driver's seat. So remember, Brene Brown said, shame needs secrecy, silence, and judgment to grow. And that's what's happening whenever we're stuffing our emotions and putting on a happy face is we are hiding and denying what we're feeling 
And so shame is growing underneath that. And remember, too, when we're in shame, we're out of touch with our self-worth, which allows us to accept ourselves as we are and be honest about our struggles and put on a growth mindset in order to problem solve. So self-worth is key to being able to be resilient and empowered, which is part of that healthy positivity that we talked about. So while toxic positivity is trying to gain that good life that healthy positivity is aiming for, it's trying to fake it till it makes it and take a shortcut around the parts that look difficult. And guys, anytime we're faking something, we're not being authentic, we're not being vulnerable, we're not being real, and we're out of touch with ourselves. We do not want to fake it until we make it. We want to be authentic and problem solve and learn and have growth mindset, but we do not want to fake it, especially when it comes to healing trauma. We do not want to fake it. All right, so this is the trigger warning. (laughs) This is where I'm going to talk about some of the scriptural messages about toxic positivity. So if that's not something you can handle, I would say fast forward the next couple minutes um, or stop here. That works. You've gotten the bulk of the message or you may just want to go to the very, very end where I talk about how to heal it. But let me know if any of this sounds familiar, you guys. Choose joy. Like I can actually remember talks given by our prophet in the Mormon church over the pulpit at our biannual conference. He literally gave a talk titled Choose Joy a few years ago. But choose joy. So 1 Peter 1, 6 through 8 talks about choosing joy in the midst of temptation and trial. And there are countless sermons and songs on this concept in Christianity and Christian offshoots. Like, I, there were there were so many when I was Googling it, you guys. Rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Ephesians 4.31. Are you guys seeing a pattern here? Like, don't feel these emotions. Just choose joy. Just rejoice. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Galatians 522. And guys, I understand that I am taking these verses and I'm pulling them out and I'm pulling them out of context. And I get that. I get that with context. If you are somebody who is Christian practicing and you're listening to this, I get that there are ways to teach some of these scriptures with a healthy positivity context. But I also know that there are so many people that cherry pick these verses. I have firsthand heard preachers and teachers and pastors and prophets and bishops and cardinals take these scriptures, not just in the Mormon church, but in all the churches I visited in high school because my mom is awesome and encouraged me to go to several different churches. I went to vacation Bible studies. I went to youth getaways. I went to like sleepovers in high school at different churches. I was part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, I mean, these are messages I've heard in several different branches of Christianity. And a lot of times it's because they are cherry-picked and someone takes their own worldview and then takes these scriptures to enforce that. I even see this in New Age spirituality. I I see this everywhere. I just see it in society. 
a lot of these ideas are not just in Christianity. They're in society and they're unhealthy when they're used as a way to suppress emotions that are difficult and just put on a happy face, okay? But I'm calling out Christianity because most of you are here because of religious trauma. So that's what we're doing. But if you're one of those people that listens to my podcast, and I know we have a few that are practicing Christians, and you're listening to this and you're thinking, that's taken out of context. Yes, it is. You're absolutely right. And please understand that there are a lot of people teaching Christianity that are doing exactly what I'm doing. They're taking these scriptures out of context and they're teaching them as a way to promote toxic positivity. So I'm talking about that, but I am not saying that this is how all Christian pastors or teachers talk about this, but it's a big enough problem. We do need to talk about it here. Uh, Anger resides in the lap of fools, Ecclesiastes 7, 9. And you guys, I chose a tiny smattering of scriptures. There were pages and pages. Now you must rid yourself of all of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Colossians 3, 8. Do not associate with one easily angered. So not only do we have anger being shamed here, but we also are being taught to shun people who experience anger. So Proverbs twenty two twenty four. Anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says you fool is in danger of fire of hell. Matthew 5, 22. So if you get angry, you could go to hell. That's of the devil. That's not okay. And if you say anything about that anger, if you tell somebody that they were foolish, you could go to hell. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So now fear is not okay. Anxiety is not okay. John 14, 27. And last one, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Joshua 1, 9. Again, be strong and courageous. Don't be weak. Don't be afraid. And don't get worried. You know, don't be upset about anything or disappointed because that's weak. Joshua 1, 9. Again, you guys, like I can almost hear my friend Shay. Shay, if you're listening to this, I can almost hear you being like, that's not how I would translate that Bible verse. She's an amazing coach. She is Christian. She's one of the most loving, open-minded, open-hearted people that I have the pleasure to know. And we have some of the most amazing discussions. And she is so fully accepting of me as an atheist, secular humanist, slash sometimes a theist. I don't really know what I am, but I'm cool with the uncertainty person. And she has found a lot of joy and comfort and peace in Christianity. I'm going to have her on at one point for us to talk about how that friendship works because genuinely she accepts me exactly as I am, does not want to save me, believes that I am like whole and acceptable and amazing and lovable and worthy exactly the way I am. No change is needed. And she is super open-minded. We get to talk about really controversial topics in Christianity. She is not your typical Christian. Shay, you are one of a kind. But um, I can almost hear you being like, that's not what it says. And I'm like, but it is for some people. I know it's not for you, but it is for some people. So in fact, I think it is for a lot of people. A lot of people hear these verses that way. 
And they're often preached over the pulpits this way. So many of us were taught to stuff difficult emotions in order to look faithful and to avoid judgment in the group. And some of us stuffed emotions because we didn't want God to judge us. I mean, remember the scripture about if you get angry, you'll go to hell. No one wants to go to hell. So we stuff our emotions. We don't want God to judge us and cast us down to hell. And we may have felt intense shame because we also were taught that he knew our every thought and feeling. So we may still hide behind toxic positivity even now because we don't want others to judge us and our decision because of the grief, anger, loneliness, and confusion that is part of the process of deconstructing. So if you're deconstructing your faith right now and you're feeling anger, confusion, sadness, depression, rage, loneliness, I'm trying to think what else, jealousy, fear, if you're feeling any of that, guess what? You're not doing it wrong. You're doing it right. There are a lot of big emotions that come with processing and deconstructing. Sometimes when you come from a religion that tells you that you're supposed to stuff difficult emotions, they don't tell you that. What they say is that you're supposed to choose joy, which if you flip that over means don't feel anything other than positive emotions. (laughs) So if you're supposed to rejoice in the Lord at all times, and if the way that people can tell that you're being faithful is because of how happy you are, you will put on a face. But those people will then look at you not putting on the face and be like, see, we were happier. You were happier inside the religion. <laughs> and now you can be like, I wasn't happier. I was being toxically positive. I wasn't being authentic. I wasn't feeling through my emotions. And I was causing myself micro trauma. Remember? Okay, here are some signs that you may be using toxic positivity to cope. So if you're hiding or masking your true feelings, we just talked about that one. If you're just trying to get on with it, right? Like, okay, yeah, I feel anger, whatever, whatever. Like, let's move through it. Like, let's just get on with the good stuff. If you're feeling guilty or ashamed about what you feel, I used to feel this all the time when I would feel anger, you guys. I'd be like, oh, I'm feeling anger. And then I'd feel ashamed because I felt anger. Minimizing your experiences with feel-good quotes. Like, everything will work out in the end. And I'm not saying these quotes are wrong in and of themselves. But if you're using them to stuff your emotions, they are harmful. Everything will work out in the end. Don't think about it. Stay positive. Delete negativity. Look for the silver lining. Everything happens for a reason. So if you're using those as a way to distract yourself and get into positivity without feeling through your big feelings, toxic positivity. Minimizing emotional pain, yours or someone else's. It could be worse. You know, at least you have kids. You know, at least he didn't die. You know, at least you still have a job. Or you should be grateful that. These are some of the messages I heard today at lunch that it could be worse, or I should just be grateful that. You guys, it is okay to be grateful, obviously, at the same time that we acknowledge that we have some really difficult emotions about losses we've experienced. Loss causes grief. Anytime we lose something that we valued and loved, it will cause grief. Anytime we're thrown into uncertainty, 
we will feel we will feel some fear and anxiety. Anytime someone crosses our boundaries, takes advantage of us, or treats us unfairly, we're going to feel anger. Those are natural, understandable, valid emotions that come alongside human experiences we're all going to have. Okay, if we are shaming or chastising ourselves or others for expressing anything other than positivity. So if you're like, oh, I should be positive about this or, you know, dang it, why can't I just like look on the bright side? That's what I'm talking about. If we brush things off that are bothering us with, you know, it is what it is. And we're just kind of nonchalant and just kind of, yeah, it's there, but whatever. I don't want to deal with it. Also a toxic positivity response. Okay, now we get to the good stuff. You guys ready? I'll try and look for this marker and see if I can't put it in the show notes for those of you who skipped all the scriptures. But here is how we start to heal from toxic positivity and move into healthy positivity. So the first one is to give yourself permission to feel all of your feelings. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but you guys, I cannot stress it enough. It is so important to feel all of your feelings. We have a saying here in our house that all of your feelings are welcome here. When we allow ourselves to feel everything we feel, we increase our ability to accept ourselves. Self-acceptance is one of the first steps to self-trust and eventually a healthy sense of self-worth from which we can really approach the world with a sense that we not only can work things out for our good, but that we're worthy of all of those good things. It's so important to feel your feelings. If you want that healthy sense of self, allowing yourself to feel everything allows you to accept yourself, which is the first step to self-worth. The next thing is to verbalize your feelings. So you can either write to yourself or talk to a trusted and empathic friend about your emotional experience. So a UCLA brain imaging study found that putting our emotions into words reduces the intensity of emotions like anger, sadness, and pain. And not to mention when we talk about things and give them words, we also minimize our shame about those things. Because remember, shame grows in secrecy, silence, and judgment. The more we can speak our truth, especially to people who will love and accept us as we are, the more shame resilient we become. And this is the cool part, you guys. As we anchor into our own self-worth, you get to become the person that can accept yourself the way you are. And when you get to that point, talk about empowerment. When you know I can show up with all of my feelings and I can accept myself and I can validate myself, you become free of other people's judgment. I've had so many entrepreneurs ask me, how do I do brave work and move past other people's judgment? This is the secret sauce. It's self-worth. When we accept ourselves as we are, when we believe we're worthy of love and belonging, we can do anything because our validation comes from us, not from other people. 
I've only really begun to experience this in the last year. And it's like the most freaking powerful and amazing secret sauce out there. I know I'm worthy of love and belonging. Even when I mess up. Even when I'm having a bad day. Even when I am feeling all the feelings all at once. I'm worthy of love and belonging regardless. I could crash and burn tomorrow and still know I'm worthy of love and belonging. That means I'm allowed to show up and say and do things that I believe in deeply, even when I know it disappoints other people, because I'm worthy of love and belonging now. And I know where my heart is. I know what my intentions are. I know what the impact is. And I'm in alignment with myself and I'm pretty damn proud of who I am and where I'm going. And any other people that love and accept me on top of that is just gravy. My husband, sweet extra bonus that he loves and accepts me exactly as I am. Even when I'm crazy, and I often am, he loves and accepts me exactly as I am. In fact, a couple of nights ago, I was having a crazy day. It was a crazy week this week. And I got into bed. I had puffy eyes. I'd been crying a little bit. I got into bed and he snuggled up behind me, put his arms around me, pulled me in tight. And before we went to sleep, it was so late, you guys. I'm tearing up a little just thinking about it. He pulled me in close and he whispered in my ear, I love all of you. That's all he said. He was like, I love all of you. Mm. I will tell you his love and acceptance was one of the first keys that allowed me to love and accept myself. So if you need someone, and I highly recommend finding someone who can love and accept you for who you are, even if that person is your therapist, start there. Start with someone who can hear all of you and witness all of you and think you're an amazing person even with all of your dark parts that you're ashamed of laid out on the table. If that person is a therapist, fantastic. If you have a family member that can do that, fantastic. And I want you to know I didn't just luck out. Kevin did not start this way. We had to grow together. We've had to do hard work together to get to that point. But there is magic in being able to be the person that loves and accepts yourself, and that has this sense of there is nothing I can do that will make me not belong to myself. There is nothing I can do that will make me reject myself. I love myself that much. And when you get to that place, you can do anything. You can build any business. You can have any relationship. You can say the things that you feel in your heart you need to say, even if you know it's going to shake the crap out of people. You get to set boundaries, create healthier relationships. You get to change the world. And here's the other cool part. You guys, I feel like I'm whispering to you. I'm in my closet and (laughs) I'm like whispering to you as if other people are going to hear. No one's going to hear. I'm in here with all of my clothes. Um, Here is the crazy thing. When you love and accept yourself that way, 
you're able to love and accept other people more fully too. All of my life, I've wanted deep, vulnerable friendships. They did not happen for me until I was able to love and accept myself. So when I say self-worth changes everything, I mean self-worth changes everything. And that's what this whole podcast is about. That's what all of my work with healing religious trauma is about. It's about helping you love and accept yourself because it will change everything. Okay, stay out of judgment. I'm probably going to say that every single podcast. I've definitely said it like a bazillion times as I've been creating courses, which I can't wait to announce to you guys because they're coming soon. So just FYI, but good things are coming, you guys. Good things are coming. And I like, I want to tell you all about it, but we're not ready yet. Stay out of judgment. Everyone is entitled to their own feelings, even you. So others may cope differently than you do with a given situation, but that does not make your feelings about your situation invalid, and it doesn't make their feelings about their situation invalid either. So whatever you feel is valid and it makes sense. And then the fourth thing before we close up, you guys, is allow paradox. That means most human situations are going to be a mixed bag. So you may be experiencing feelings that feel like, so you may be experiencing feelings that feel optimistic alongside feelings of disappointment, sadness, anger, or fear. Allow the paradox. It gets to be both. At the same time, it does not have to be one or the other. Truth is often found in the paradox. We can love someone deeply and be deeply hurt by them. We can have empathy for someone and also hold them accountable. We can feel gratitude for all of the blessings we have and feel grief for our losses. We can feel incredibly privileged and incredibly disadvantaged at the same time. We can feel grateful for parts of our church experience and enraged about others. It gets to be all of the things. Not only is there room for us to feel all of our emotions, we get to feel all of the ones that show up even at the same time. There's room for those emotions. They're all valid. They all are telling us a little bit about ourselves, our experiences, and how to move forward. There is wisdom in your feelings, even the big scary ones, even the ones that feel really difficult. As you allow yourself to feel, you're giving yourself permission to get in touch with yourself and to actually feel joy, which is what the whole positivity movement is about actually feeling joy. The road to joy comes through feeling everything. Because if we want to feel a fullness of joy, we have to feel a fullness of every other emotion too, because we can't selectively numb 
our emotions. I hope this was helpful for you guys. I have some big announcements for you next week. So stay tuned for that. If you are looking for step-by-step help with recovering your identity after a religious transition, you are not going to want to miss next week's episode because I'm going to tell you what I've been developing and I'm very excited about it. In the meantime, though, don't forget to go straight over to my website, emancipatedcoaching.com. See if that perfectionism module has uploaded. It will upload this week. If it hasn't uploaded by Sunday, it will upload sometime this week. Keep checking back. It's a free four-day module to help you through perfectionism, which is going to help you with growth mindset, self-worth, giving yourself permission to try things on, make mistakes, and allow yourself to grow. And that's what this is all about. That's what life is all about. Thank you so much. It is always an honor to get to spend some time with you. I am loving the opportunity you all give me to research and study things out and get even more knowledgeable about all of these topics. A lot of these are topics I've studied for years, but either haven't put them into a format where I can talk coherently about them or... I can do that, but I am a little nerd over here and I want to research more. And so I get on the computer and then I end up like all over the place. You guys should have seen my notes. Um, I started off with toxic positivity and then I was like Googling like, why do we hide our emotions in the first place? And then, of course, I was looking up all of those scriptures and like I was like in the back alleys of this topic And I was having so much fun and I could have kept going. That's usually the case is usually I'm like, oh, I need to record. Uh, But I could have kept going and kept going and kept going because I was having so much fun and learning so much about this topic. So thank you for showing up this week. I hope you have a beautiful week and I'm really looking forward to summer. We finally had some warm days this week here in Colorado And I am looking forward to summer and swimsuit weather and getting to travel again because I am so tired of these four walls and I'm ready for some adventure. So thank you all for giving me adventure since January. This has been an amazing adventure and I am looking forward to sticking with you guys through the summer. And we have some great topics lined up, some fantastic speakers. And next week's topic is mindfulness. Um, which has been an important part of my healing journey. And so I can't wait to share that with you. Thank you all again, and I'll see you next week.